Welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast, as we explore the mind of former MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. On this episode of the Boone Podcast, Brett sits down with former Major League All-Star and World Series champion, Brian Klesko. All right, let's do this! And now, here's your host, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone. And today on the program, I sit down with an all-star World Series champion and one of my favorite teammates. He was a huge part of the 1990s Braves run. Ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Klesko. Rhino, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, man. It's great to hear from you. And, you know, this is this is exciting. I, I knew this was perfect, perfect for you because the uh, Tell you what, I love your family, your brother and your father, and uh, we had a good run. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but Boone and I, uh, we battled each other even in the minor leagues. We, had, we did, the, the, the only two guys in the minor leagues would swing so hard we'd fall over. <laughs> you're ta- Come on now, you're taking my questions from me. All right, out of the gate, Rhino. And, and I think I kind of knew about this, but I didn't. How good of a pitcher were you as a kid? I was good. I mean, I, you know, I was projected to be the second overall pick in the draft uh, going in. Um, you know, I always loved to hit. I didn't really want to make that decision, but, you know, I was projected in. And then it's just, you know, the only reason I was a hitter because right for the draft, great story. Go, you know, uh, first year, I think going in my, my junior year in high school and my senior year, they, they finally allowed, you remember when they allowed metal spikes uh, in, in, in high school? Uh, yeah. And uh, so that my going in my senior year, you know, everybody's all the kids are excited about going to metal spikes. So I went to big five sporting goods, got my first pair of metal spikes, went to go pitch. I was pitching for the Texas Ranger scout team. I was 17 going right before my senior year. And I threw the, I threw the stinking spikes on metal spikes, went and pitched in a game and never wore spikes before. And, and I did a slide step. I had a runner on first. And when I, when I had that slide step, I caught a spike and instead of balking, I tried to throw the ball and there went my elbow. Well, so, you know that's you, you bring that you bring that up. That is weird. I do remember that now. I remember in high school we had to wear those rubber cleats because they told us these are safer. But you know when you cross home yep. plate with the rubber cleat, you almost kill yourself, and you can't wait to get into the metals as quick as you can. All right, yeah, Westminster, Westminster, California, born and raised. Uh, Tell me about Rhino as a kid, as a kid, kid, before we knew each other. Growing up, what were you like? Was it always baseball? Who was your team? Give it all to me. So growing up, uh, you know, just, you know, Angels, Dodgers, obviously. Um, You know, loved to surf, grew up surfing, uh, skateboarding, all that stuff. Mom, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but my mom, mom, instead of my dad, was more my influence. Both my older sisters played softball. They were both very good at, at softball, um, you know, travel softball back in the day. So I just got dragged around all these tournaments. And I think that's kind of where I developed my skills. You know, all the, the girls were playing softball all day long in these tournaments. And, the, and all the younger kids, the brothers, were out there playing pickle and over the line and whiffle ball. And then just, you know, just developing those skills that way. Um, you know, uh, didn't grow up with a lot of money. So mom knew that. Uh, academically, you could go to college, you get a scholarship, or you can do it sports-wise. So she could afford to take us to pitching and hitting lessons. And I went to Ron the Fever uh, hitting and pitching, and my my strict was his name was uh, Richard or Dick, what they call him. But I went to hitting and pitching lessons behind Angel Stadium and developed my my hitting and pitching skills there. 
um, and just, you know, she could afford to take us to the le- to get lessons. And that's where I kind of developed, a, you know, you know, some of the training that you, that you got for free from your dad, we had to pay for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how good the training was from my dad, though. Uh, yeah, I heard your mom. <laughs> Is this true? Your mom put on the gear and got behind the dish. That sounds like something my grandma would do. But your mom got the gear on and would it would oh, yeah. let you throw bullpens to her. That now that's awesome. Dude, just, just imagine this. My mom in a Volkswagen Beetle driving around the neighborhood looking for me, getting snatching me up off the streets and going, you need to throw your bullpen before you go play with these boys and get your homework done. Jump in the car, go throw the pitches, and then, and then off I went pit, you know, to play. But, you know, there's that get my stuff done. She caught she caught me all the way up to I was throwing about 80, 84, 85. And, and, and back then she didn't even have gear on. Um and, she, you know, just her man, my sister was six foot and she was one of the top college pitchers in the country. So catching a softball that distance of catching baseball is nothing to her. She had another, what, 15, 20 feet to see it. But I threw a breaking ball off the plate and smoked her one time. And she, she, she had a big old lump on her, on her leg and took her out of work for like three days. So I came home from week, uh, the weekend and she went to Home Depot and loaded the, the VW up with boards and nets. And she made a pitch, she made a pitching, she literally dug the hole, mixed the quick crate and, and built a little, you know, a little net with a pitching thing so she didn't have to catch me anymore. And that mountain is, is still in the backyard today. She built the mound before that, but it was, it was pretty, my mom was pretty amazing. So, uh, you know, dad worked in the oil fields and really didn't even know how to throw baseball. So, you know, it was really cool to have a, you know, mom that was influential like that. And, you know, fast forward, she had a work-related accident. It was pretty sick when I was in the minor leagues. But in that, in that World Series, and I think it was game, I think four or five in Cleveland, it had home runs and I think games three, four, and five. And on that, that last day where I hit the home run in Cleveland, the World Series, the one we won, the third, the third home run I hit, my mom decided to go to the outfield because we only had – I was young. I was only my second full year. And we only had two tickets behind home plate. So my mom decided to go to the outfield and, uh, and by herself uh, and sit out there and watch the game and let my sister sit behind home plate. And that home run I hit in Cleveland hit her hand in right field. And she actually – she didn't catch it. A guy knocked her over. But she ended up negotiating and getting the ball back. So that home run I hit in that last game of the World Series, hit, actually, I hit to my mother. That That is really cool. Uh, you go to Westminster High, and I, and I think I do remember. I think you're, you're – I'm two years older than you. And I remember when I was at SC, I would run into a Klesko. We didn't know each other at the time, but you, you talk about that swing, and you were swinging hard. Those scout teams, how you'd, you'd probably have a, a midweek, like a winter game against USC or something like that. But I know we, we, we kind of bumped heads when we were kids. That's right. We did. And then, and then actually – so USC was where I wanted to go. We actually would have been teammates. Um, but uh, Gillespie, it was Gillespie, correct? Yeah, Gillespie. Was it, so Gillespie, I had a full ride, uh, and I was going to sign with USC because, you know, I, I, I knew of you and I had some friends going there, but um, I think you were going into your sophomore, junior year, whatever. I wanted to, I, and I got a full scholarship and I was going to commit to USC, but um, out of the 46 scholarships I had, um, Gillespie decided he was going to only offer me a half scholarship after they offered me a full one. So, I, of course, I couldn't go afford to go there. Um, so I, I, I committed to Arizona State. I think they, they were ranked number one or two, or you guys were one or two, or whatever. I saw with Arizona State, but going into there, we come in with the scout team. I don't know if you remember this, but we came in with the, the scout team, and you were teammates with this guy later on. We were with the Texas Rangers. It was me and Tony Tarasco. I'm, and Lo, I don't know if Lolo, Loretta was on that team or not, but we came in 
and we played you guys. We had a bunch of 17-year-olds, and we played against USC. And uh, Roger Sakeld started that game, which was everybody knows first-round pick, threw probably, you know, what, 98, 99 miles an hour. And then I came in and pitched behind him, and I think – I don't know if you were playing or you were there, but we, we beat us. The 17 year olds beat USC. Uh, a Roger struck out like seven. I, and I, I pitched two and struck out five and went two for two with a home run and a double. And then Gillespie offered me the scholarship, uh, the full scholarship back after that. And I told him, no, I was already, I was already going somewhere else. You're going to a state and you end up. Yeah. yeah Roger Salkeld. That's wow. That's a blast from the past too. He was on, um, when I signed with the Mariners, yeah, he was a, he was a number one pick with the Mariners. When I signed, he mm-hmm. was on my first A-ball team in, in Peninsula, where I ended up playing against you when you were in Durham. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Okay, so you go, you go into that draft. Uh, you end up getting picked in the fifth round by the Braves' 1989 draft. You end up signing. Um, you know, I, I probably, if I was a fifth-round pick out of high school, I'd have probably signed two. But you, you go to – I don't know. Did you go to rookie ball first? or Because I, I know when I when I hooked up with yeah, you and uh, – Yeah, and, I went to rookie ball for like like three weeks. I hit like 460. But I was drafted – I was still drafted as a pitcher. There was only one scout. One scout had has me had a, as a five-star or a four-star hitter. And going into the draft, they drafted me in the fifth round because, you know, no one drafts a kid in the first round with a sore elbow. I didn't blow it out completely. I just I stretched the ligaments, which, which means may I never pitch again back there, Tommy John. So I go, I get drafted as a pitcher, but they look at my elbow. They want to take MRI. And, you know, they want to take a chance because I was supposed to be the second overall pick. So, of course, now with the sore arm, they, they said, look, we, I, you know, I picked the phone call from the Braves. Um, they say, you've been, congratulations, been drafting fifth round. I'm like, oh, that's all right. I'm going to school. And I pretty much want to hang up on him. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I was just going to say, no, I'm going to school. And they said, well, we would like for you to come practice with the team uh, or come see the team doctors. And the team wants to look at you. And we also have one of our scouts says that we've got you down as a, as a plus-plus hitter in the major leagues or, you know, with power can you come out and take batting practice with the team? I'm like, what do you mean, the team? They're like, yeah, the Braves are playing the Dodgers. Of course, I'm a big Dodger guy back then. I'm like, you mean I get to go on the field and hit at Dodger Stadium? I'm like, yes. So that's the day I get – the doctors look at my arm. I'm not throwing. I still got a sore elbow, right, going in. But they, they gave me a wood bat, and I took batting practice with the Atlanta Braves. And, and then um, batting practice started off a little bit slow. I'm nervous. Can't hit shit. Sorry for my language. Um, and, and it can't hit very, I'm just nervous. And then I finally got it dialed in and, uh, hit a few balls out. And then and they invited me to come back the next day. And I hit one off the back of the bullpen, which is further than anybody in batting practice. And the next day they signed me as a hitter and I was gone. I was off to the minor league. They gave me first round money after my batting practice. While I got a quick second, want to give a shout out to DraftKings. We've partnered with DraftKings now, and they are the official sponsor of the Boone podcast. Dan. Thanks Boone. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. Everyone wins. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like, 
who will make it to the next round, and who will hit the most three-pointers, then track your results. Simply download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code BOONE, B-O-O-N-E, bet $5 on any college hoops team to win, and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code BOONE, B-O-O-N-E, this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling, and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming, 1-800-NEXT-STEP, Arizona, 1-800-522-4700, Colorado, New Hampshire, 888-789-7777, visit HTTP colon forward slash forward slash ccpg.org slash chat connecticut 1-800-BETS-OFF iowa 1-877-770-STOP-7867 louisiana 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369 new york visit obgr.org oregon call text in tennessee redline 1-800-889-9789 tennessee or 1-888-532-3500, Virginia, 21+, plus, 18+, plus, New Hampshire, Wyoming, physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See HTTP colon forward slash forward slash DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And now back to my interview with Ryan Klesko. You mentioned early in the, in the opening that me and you swung hard because that's all I ever heard. You knew that because you had the same thing. It's, oh, that's Brett. He's got that big swing. I never thought I was swinging hard. That's just how I swung. It's like when the pitch gets right. in the zone, I want to try to hit this thing as hard as I can. But I do remember when we finally we were playing against each other in, in Durham. You were in Durham. I was in Peninsula. And it was my short season. I had just come out of the 90 draft. And I remember, and I'm thinking, oh, that Klesko guy. I remember him playing. When I was in college, we'd have some some midweek games against him. And I remember you swinging. Because everybody was saying to me, because, you know, you know, when you're the guy that always they talk about your swing and and they said to me, Booney, wait till you see this Klesko kid. We're going to play him in Durham because they'd already played you that year. And they said, he he might even swing harder than you. So, I, you know, I'm thinking, oh, I got to see this. And you swung and I'm going, he does swing harder than me. But uh, both over the years, you know, we, we, we swung harder our whole career. But, you know, we, we, we learned a little bit through the through the trial and error and, and uh, it turned out all right for both of us, but uh, that, those were fun. I think, I think we, uh, we played against each other next year too. I was in Jacksonville, you were in Greenville. And um, is that accurate? Yep, that's correct. Yep, and I face yeah. held, and that, and my teammate that some bitch dumped me like the first pitch he threw and right at my freaking head like ninety eight. Salkeld, Salkeld, yeah, yeah, Salkeld, dumped me, and I, I, I was so mad, but I was laughing. He was laughing, and then so I kind of pointed at him, and I'm like, "You dog!" And it's the next pitch he threw down the way, and I dumped him. I, I hit a ball back in his face, and I dumped him on the mound. And dude, to talk about, I, I, I got you back. I got you back. 
<laughs> but I don't know. I mean, no, that, I mean, he was around for a little bit, but I think he, you know, I don't know if he had arm problems or I know he was in the big leagues for a little bit, but I think he ended up having shoulder arm problems. Later. Yeah, he had he had the arm problems because when I got there, he was kind of he was our top prospect in the Mariners organization. He ended up having tough luck with his arm, and and, and I don't know, you know, what what ended up happening to him. Uh, I think he might have got a cup of coffee real quick, but uh, I'm not sure yeah. what happened. Um, speaking of cups of coffee, okay, when you signed with the Braves, it's 1989. Uh, they're not the Braves that that we come to know, you know, that 90s unbelievable run that that you were a big part of. Uh, when you signed in 89, they were they were a bad team. You know, it didn't start till yeah, 91 yeah. is when they got them on the winning streak. And, you know, when Bobby took over and, and uh, anyway, 92, you get a cup of coffee. Uh, 93 cup of coffee for Rhino again. Yeah, 94 is when you really when you really. uh break in and and right. get you know start getting some abs you had 278 with uh with 17 home runs and that was the strike year and and i was doing my research getting ready for this and i, I looked up and down that braves that 90s braves and it's first place first place first place the only time you didn't finish in first place was that 94 but it didn't matter anyway because we went on strike so you went to the postseason until we both we both got traded to san diego you went to the postseason that's all you knew every single year in the big leagues you were in the postseason tell me how coming into that the 94 season when you finally get your opportunity and, and get a chance to, to contribute to that team. Just talk about the, how that was for you and, and the beginning of those great teams. And we'll go through some of the players as we talk. There's so many great players, you know, uh, teammates of both of ours, but uh, you were there in the very beginning where it all started, where it was Maddox, Smoltz, Glavin and, and Avery, you know, people, Early the early nineties, Avery was as nasty as anybody, and and then there was a kind of that fourth and fifth spot for that Atlanta rotation. Trip, you know, it, it changed throughout the years. Merker was there, who was very formidable. Nagel. Den, De, Denny Nagel, you know, uh, that that switched out. The three the three at the top were the constant, but uh, you know, uh, Millie. You know, our year in 1999 when we were teammates in Atlanta. But just talk to me about breaking into the big leagues, finally being a part of. You know, I know, I know where there's a process for all of us. For all of us, for me, it was the same thing. You know, I came to the big leagues in 92, 93. I'm on the shuttle back and forth. And, and finally, that second half, I got to stick. And 94 was my first complete, you know, full year in the big leagues. It's it's a little bit of an adjustment for us, but you finally, you finally make it there and you're a part of that Braves team. That's back when, you know, this is before the, the, the uh, ESPN and, and all these games, the sports package where every game is, we can see, we can watch games nowadays on our phone. Back then it was the Cubs and it was the Braves. Tell me about that and the travel that you were the biggest show in town. Yeah, exactly. And it was, it was, you know, obviously, you know, back in the day where you had the brown box with a you know, long cable, you hung around and it was, it was you know, America's team, but America's team back in the day was in last place. You know, the Cubs and the Braves weren't playing too well. And, you know, so that was nice. Everywhere you went, there was a crowd, you know, you go, you go play in, you know, wherever you played, there was Braves fans because it was America's team. And that's the only, it, it, it was kind of forced, right? It's forced in your throat. Yeah. They might not want to watch the Braves, but you had the Cubs of the Braves, right? So that was, that was really cool. That helps, right? That helps a lot. It allows my family to watch, you know, me and play and why I'm, in, why I'm in, you know, they're in California and stuff like that. So that's amazing. You know, I get, I get broken in. I, 
I start. I have a really good, pretty good. Not you know, ninety three season, ninety four. I go for fourteen. You know, there's like nineteen guys out there. You're like I went over fourteen. They're like, yeah, you look on the base bar, I may must have really sucked. But I think out of those fourteen at bats, I must have lined out at least five or six times. You know, and every time I hit a ball hard to be at somebody, so that sucked. And I got caught up ninety three and had a pretty good year. I was kind of pissed off that I didn't make the playoff roster. I had you know put some decent numbers for the minimum bats I got, but. In 94, my first full year, we go on strike. You know, it's like, come on, man. And I think it was in August. So, you know, I didn't have but a couple hundred at-bats, you know. And, and I was, I think at one, you know, I was battling back and forth for, with uh, Rookie of the Year. I think it was me and Mondesi Mondesi and uh, Ro Mondesi, myself, and Hideo Nomo, I think were in the, in the run for Rookie of the Year up and back and forth all year. And then all of a sudden, you know, I think with August, uh, we shut the season down. So my first full year that I actually got to play in baseball, my first full year was 95 when we won the World Series. Yeah, ninety five. You hit you hit three hundred three hundred for the first time. You hit three ten with twenty three homers, and once again, it's that Braves. You know that Braves team. You, you finished nothing but first. Your first place. You have a big NLDS. Then you play the Reds and and uh, my my Reds, my ninety five Reds, and you gave us a quick beating, and we left. And uh, on to the World Series for you. You end up beating Cleveland. Uh, you mentioned in the opening, you went deep game three, game four, game five. Take me through, not only is it your first World Series, um, but you end up winning it and you end up being a big contributor. Tell the folks out there what that was like for a young kid, you know, comes from uh, comes from Cali, was a pitcher turned hitter. Uh, and now next thing you know, you're, you're, you're on the big stage and you end up winning the, what will be, which is amazing to a lot of people is, is the only world series that great Braves team of the nineties won. Yeah. So, you know, obviously you gotta, you got you know, first couple of games, you know, I'm over swinging, you know, trying to go deep, trying to pull the ball. Um, you know, what's his name? The, the short stuff, uh, makes two really good plays on me. So the first two games, I don't get any hits. I'm hit the ball. You know, they're throwing me all off-speed pitches, you know, and so I've I got to slow myself down and start thinking back up the middle. But, you know, you get in that situation, man, and you've got all this, this energy running through you and all this adrenaline, and you've got, you know, you know well as I do. I mean, those situations, you've got to play within yourself and get back to what, you're, what you've been doing. And so you really got to tell you, really got to over-exaggerate, tell yourself, get back, shorten your swing up, you know, get better pitches to hit, you know, and, and, and try to, you know, trying to get that monkey off your back and get, the, get that first hit. And then – um you know, it, it just clicked on, you know, I stayed back and the first home run I hit, well, I think it might've been an off-speed pitch and I stayed back there uh, off the of Nagy uh, and hit it left center and then, and then base, base hit the middle and then right center. So I started staying, staying back a little bit and get better pitches to hit. And then, uh, you know, just once I got that first hit out of the way, I was, I was just putting too much pressure on myself, you know, and, and it's like anything, your first world series and you're like 23 years old, you know, and you're just trying to, you're trying to do too much. And so I settled myself down and started getting, before I got my butt taken out of the lineup. I wasn't bad. I went out there striking out. I just went hit the ball hard. So that was that was nice. And, uh, you know, and there was a couple of guys struggling. You know, David Justice hit that one. I think he hit that one home run in the World Series and ended up being the one that helped us win. But I think up until then, him and I were both str- struggling a little bit. Uh, you know, he was, you know, I think just trying, trying to do too much and, and expand the zone a little bit. But, uh, you know, that, that, one, that one World Series, you know, uh, is better than nothing or, or else were the, you know, Buffalo Bills, of course, they wanted to, one in uh, last year, which was great. And, you know, underdogs again, I think they were, they projected us Cleveland beating the crap out of us. Cle- Cleveland had a strong 
a strong record. I think they won more more than anybody, any more than any games anybody in the last like five or ten years. Uh, Eddie Murray, Albert Bell, Omar Vizquel, Collars Barga. They had you had Manny Ramirez. Um, was uh, Eddie Murray? To- and then you had Tommy Alamar Brothers. I mean, it was an all star team. It was ridiculous. But again, sometimes pitching <laughs> and timely hitting pays off. But we had the staff. You know, they had they had Earl Hershiser and and Dennis Martinez, you know, Cy Young candidates just about every year. So they had some strong pitching. So those guys were a little bit older, but I tell you what, it was, it was, it was, it was, I mean, dude, it was, it was two of the best teams in baseball player, baseball squaring off against each other. Yeah. And Cleveland, you know, for that same run, that nineties run, Cleveland was, we kind of mirrored the Braves of the, of the American league. I mean, they, they were winning every year, you know, it was funny. We had, uh, David justice on the show a few weeks back and, uh, you know, I was going through his 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 uh, his stats, and, and it, David Justice never in his entire career didn't go to the postseason. Because remember, he went from you guys, the Braves, then he went over to Cleveland, then he ends up with the New York Yankees. Not one year in his career did he ever not make the postseason. Unbelievable. But uh, it was a, you go. Was there a parade afterwards, Rhino? Oh yeah. Yeah, there's a parade, you know, big parade. You know, uh, obviously a lot of people there just because uh, they lost in '91 uh, against what Toronto. '92 was against Cl- or against uh, who it was. I think it was when they lost against in the World Series against Toronto and then Minnesota. Uh, and then you know they're going there, so it, Atlanta was ready for a winner, so that 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 helped out a lot. I remember those teams too. You know, Javi behind the plate and Crime Dog and uh, Chipper. You know, ends up being one of the one of the greatest third basements of all time. You mentioned Justice in that in that uh, in that rotation. You know, and and fast forward a few years later, we're teammates. I get traded to Braves, and the first thing and the only thing I thought about, I didn't care about going to the Braves. I just thought I don't have to face Maddox, Smoltz, and Glavin every time I go to Atlanta, where they come to me. Uh, how big of an influence and and difference maker was Bobby Cox for that ball club in the nineties? Well, it was big. You know, he just let the players do their thing. You know, he wasn't. You know, he wasn't one of those managers. If, if he had a problem with what you were doing, he called you into the office. He didn't talk about it in the papers. You know that. If if he had something you had to talk about, he'd call you in. And, and then you respect that about a guy like that. He, he, he knew the chemistry of the team. And, you know, no matter how good you are, if you don't fit into that chemistry, then you were gone, right? There are certain players that came in that were I, I – we're not going to name any names, were I, I, me, me guys. You know, they wouldn't show up to functions or they were more worried about their average than helping the team win. And those guys were in and out of there fast, right? Bobby knew what, what type of chemistry he needed to have in the team. And you guys well know this, as I do, is if that, that's more important than, you know, throwing a bunch of teams together, you know? You know, sometimes, you know, the Yankees go out there, they got a, they got an unbelievable team, um, and not thinking of the Yankees, but you can't just buy a World Series. you gotta, you got to be – you guys got to be linked together. you got to be playing together. you got to – you know, if there's a lot of rotational in there, you know, you got to play as a family. you got to do that. So, so I'm not always the best team wins. Uh, the World Series, as we know, um, and not even the best team wins. It's the best team that's playing at the time. Yeah, we're going to the playoffs. The Florida Marlins won. They would they, would they win two two World Series championships, and they were underdogs. San Francisco Giants with with Bruce Bochy. I think when they win three three World Series there, they were they were definitely underdogs at every series of the playoffs. It's just baseball. Who's who's clicking and who's playing together is a unit. It's a team sport, and that's that's more important than anything. You well know that. I mean that. 
you get a bunch of IME guys in there out on the team, it's hard to win. 96, he hit 282 with 34 homers and 93 ribbies. He'd go back to the World Series again. He end up losing to the Yankees. I think that was the year Drew uh, came on board, Andrew Jones. And uh, all the years you play, best center fielder you ever saw? Ooh, man, overall, I, I guess it would <laughs> – Tell you what, I play with a lot of good ones, but yeah, for sure, with, with the first step and the power he had. Uh, well, I'm just talking strictly kind of defense. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely, definitely the top. I, you know, 100%. Definitely the top two or three for sure. Um, you know, Marquise Grissom can get after it and go, buddy. I mean, he was super fast. He was, he was you know, pretty good. Marquise in 95. Um, you know, which you. I mean, just amazing. His first step was just like Andrew. But, you know, you see him climb that wall. I mean, he knew where the ball was going since it came off the bat. And that, you know, that's just hard to teach. And Andrew was one of the – one of those – definitely, definitely one of those guys that could do that. It was amazing. Um, you know, just get get around it. I mean, it just play with some great guys. It would be a fly on the wall to the guys. I mean, I sit back and look back. Booney is like, yeah, I had a good career. You know, it was fun. But, man, look at the guy. I sit back and Trevor Hoffman. Maddox, Smoltz, Glavin, Chipper, Barry Bonds. I retired with Barry Bonds. You know, he breaks the whole all dive home run record. Comes and picks me up in the dugout, and like I'm like a little baby. You know, I mean, it's just amazing, some amazing, cool stuff. You know, um, not to mention all the other guys I played with, and just got to see a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, Ricky Henderson. I, I remember driving. In, I hit a, a ball, uh, a base hit to drive in, and Ricky Henderson to, to tie the all-time runs record. Um, yeah, that was cool. I didn't break it, call him breaking. He hit a home run to break it and, and slip. You guys probably remember this with the coolest thing ever seen. He's like, he breaks, he hits the home run to break all time run. And then he, he does the signature so, uh, slide head first uh, across home plate after a home run, which I've never seen done before and probably never be done again. But that was pretty amazing. Uh, Trevor Hoffman, I was with him when they broke the, when they, when he broke the all time save record, which Mariano got later. And then, and then I was with Barry as a teammate when he broke the all time run record. Think about that. I was there for like three of those. I mean, you'd be lucky to do one. That was that was a cool bill to look back and say, man, I was there to see that happen. That's that's really amazing. I just was fortunate enough to be with some, you know, on some really good teams that had, had some really cool stuff happening. And obviously being a teammate with Tony Gwynn too, um, which me and you were, uh, were there also. Yeah, special guys, man. Special guys. 97, you hit 24 jacks again. You win 101 games. 98, you win 106 games. In 99, I get traded. We're teammates. Uh, and uh, I remember. I'll, I'll never forget it. You know, I sat in um, – I remember getting traded over, and, and there was a couple new new guys that year. It was uh, – trying to think. Brian Jordan – and myself, and I remember Bobby sitting us down in spring training goes, and this is for the new guys. We here in Atlanta, we expect to win. We win every year. I put the lineup on the board. We go out and we steamroll our opponent. And I remember looking around the room and going, well, you know, if, if I check the stat book, he's, he's kind of right. That's what they've been doing. And, and it was the funny thing around baseball. Anytime you get traded to the Braves, go, well, at least you're going to go to the World Series. And, and when I got traded that offseason from the Reds, that's what they said. You're going to have a chance to go to the World Series. And, and sure enough, I got a chance to go to the World Series. Um, won 103 games. Went in uh, – we got there, and then we ran into a Yankees team. Uh, 
And it was deja vu all over for me again, except for this time I was on the Braves. 95, I think you swept us when I was with the Reds. And now it's 1999. I'm in my first World Series. I remember taking the field in New York, New York, getting a, you know, kind of getting a, it was kind of a surreal moment for me. You know how we go out in the line and it's really no big deal. It's what we do every day. You know, we've been to the postseason before, but something about Yankee stadium world series. I think it was game three. Uh, I was on the line and I'm going, Whoa, I've never felt like this. Like I, I was somewhere special. We end up, <laughs> we end up getting beat four straight. <laughs> and, uh, but it was, you know, it, it was the series. It was your third world series. And the thing I still laugh about to this day, and, and uh, you know, your buddy Nevin will laugh about it. It wasn't funny at the time, but it is now. And you know what I'm talking about. That last inning, you're facing Mariano. <laughs> he keeps breaking your bats. Tell me about that A.B. Because it was oh, all but God, over. Yeah. We all knew I, it. I, know. Well, right when you, I knew what you were going to say before that. It's oh, like, man. Like, I'm, I'm, like the, I'm like in the Trump speech, dude. I'm in like Donald Trump's freaking speech when Mariano – Takes his award. His- <laughs> yeah. And I, and I remember after he breaks up, I breaks the bat, goes foul. Breaks the bat. And I'm young. I've never faced a cutter before. Maddox only got through a cutter. Was, I, it looks like I, like I know it's coming still. And so I'm trying to pull it, which is the stupidest thing I ever could do. You just stay inside and hit it, right? Bobby, you know, and Bobby's like, like why well, play the right-handers? You know, put the, I probably, why play the left-handers? They got the worst. They're hitting like 080 against them, and right-handers hit like 220. So they put me. You know, I'm up there hitting against him, and, and he breaks a bat, and I go back and get another one. He breaks my second bat, and I go get another one, and I go back to get there, and Chipper's laughing. I said, Chipper, if he breaks his bat, I ain't got no bats left. I'm not going to have to use – I'm going to have to use yours. Because I only brought three bats on the road because I'm not used to breaking a ton of bats, right? You go on the road, you bring you know, bring three or four bats, you know, that's it. He, thank God the one he broke and the hit, it, it was fair, and actually got – I think he went to the second baseman. If, I, if, if, I, if they ever broke that one, which he did – uh, and it would have been foul. I'd have had to borrow Chipper's bat, you know, and he probably wouldn't even gave it to me. But uh, and I think that was the night they clinched on us. So it, it was kind of a, yeah. it was a, it was a hilarious moment at the most unfunny time for us because the last thing we thought going into that series is we're going to be down three zero and face an elimination. Yeah. And the next thing you know, it was pretty much the writing was on the wall that it was over. Yeah. And I remember after every bat you'd break, cause I'm sitting there, you know, I'm pissed. We're going to lose. And everybody's kind of down. And, and then you keep coming back and you, and you're trying not to, you're, you're giving me that, that cool look on your face. Like, come on, give me another bat. <laughs> and I'm looking at you go, come on, Rhino, get it done, get it done. And uh, I do remember that yeah. it was, it was a funny moment in uh in kind of a, yeah. uh, shitty time that's funny yeah it's funny now but i probably lost sleep over that for a while after that yeah, season uh but you hit, traded you hit mariano hard i mean i remember you hitting him hard there was a few right hands that hit him hard but when you know when just think about look at the, look at the hit that luis gonzalez got off of him uh, yeah he oh he was tough on lefties man yeah, i i didn't really hit that one or that reminded me exactly what i was doing he just you just like gator armor like oh my god it's gonna hurt you know, and he dunk, and every once in a while you dunk one in against him. Like, thank God, you know, you know. Obviously, it's a little bit different approach now how to hit something like that. You, you know, look middle away to pull, which is almost you know unimaginable to your brain. But anything it starts in, if you swing at it, as you can tell, I can tell you that you're going to break your bat. Yeah, because everything you know with Mariano and I had most of my at bats against Mariano in the postseason. You know, I think I got you two or three good. hit. 
Yeah, I hit him good. I, but, I know, but I, I know I, you hit him good because I remember. Because like, I mean, these right. I mean, especially because you're geared to right center, and that ball starting middle in or middle and running out of the plate right into your power zone. You know, and it's like, why aren't we? You know, why aren't we? You know, later on in the career, I mean, they, they, they people got smart enough. It's like, look at the numbers. There's reason for. There's a reason for it. The ball's running back over the plate against righties. You get a guy that really stays the other way, like right center, like you. You're going to kill him. Well, you can't, you can't with yeah. Mariano, you know, it's like you, you face those sinker ballers that, you know, and we call it, we call it a heavy ball. Uh, Mariano had a cutter and it was a heavy cutter. And I knew with him, it's like when doggy was pitching, when Greg Maddox was, I'd be facing him. I'm not going to take him deep on his sinker. I know that I'm hoping he hangs me a curveball. If he gives me a sinker to hit, hopefully I'm going to get a base hit and hit it hard somewhere, but I'm not thinking go deep. Mariano was the same thing. If I try to, try to hit you know three one okay he's coming to me i'm gonna i'm gonna jump ship here he's got me already i i with certain guys i had to just sit there and just take what they gave me and for me with mariano it's like all right he's gonna throw me that cutter away just take your base hit to right put it in your pocket and be happy with it and that's the approach i had with mariano i didn't have that against too many pitchers but you know as i mentioned maddox same thing i never thought about getting an extra base hit off greg I thought, just try to square this up because the ball was so heavy. So there's certain guys that had a different approach. I just happened to get a, a few hits off Mariano. But, yeah, definitely really tough on the left-handed hitters. Um, after the 99th season, uh, you get traded to San Diego. And, and that had to be different for you because at the time I had been traded to uh, from the Reds, I'd been traded from the Mariners to the Reds. So I didn't have a, you know, I had five years in Cincinnati, which is a decent amount of time. But you you signed with the Braves in 89 as a baby and you get traded 11 years later. So you pretty much had grown up in that in that Braves organization. When you got that phone call, uh, how did it feel? Was it kind of like, wow, this is all I've ever known and, you know, new pastures or what, what was your initial reaction? Yeah, so... Uh- it was right, dude. I think, honestly, I think it was the day before Christmas, like or the 23rd or 24th. Wait, would you remember, uh, Booney? Because it was me and you together. Was it, what, December 23rd or t- December 21st or something like that? What is- I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah, I mean, it was right around Christmas. I just built my, uh, I had my, I bought my first farm. I got to be honest, I, I just signed a four-year deal that year. Um, bought my, bought a little farm out in Covington, Georgia, you know, um, and I've just built my, I had a, a workout facility like a metal building that I closed in and, and put a you know, bathroom and shower at, you know, bought all this gym equipment in there. You know, this back then we start really working out hard. It's like, uh, hired a trainer and I just got my gym finished. I was all excited about ready to celebrate. And then, then I got the phone call and then, and then Sherholtz calls me and says, Hey, Rhino, um, I knew it when he called him. So like, oh, crap, you know, he's, so he, he I said, uh, well, I got good news and bad news. And I said, well, tell me the bad news. He goes, well, we trade traded you. Um, you know, and they said, but the good news is you're going back home. And so when I felt that, I was like, okay, it's somewhere. It's either Anaheim, L.A., or San Diego. And uh, and so he goes, you know, and he said, and that's funny because to this day, he's like, man, I got more. He goes, I got more hate mail, more death threats from trading you and Dave Justice than anybody else. You know, it was just. You know, you're there for a long time, whatever. But it, it's, it's part of the game, right? You go, and so I'm disappointed, but I'm, I'm excited now that I get, you know, I get to, my family's closer, you know, obviously with my mom and everything, and I've got my, you know, all going back to Southern California. I know you probably felt the same. Uh, it was nice to be able to go back home, somewhat home, right, in Orange County. You know, not, not really home, but still not too far. 
Yeah, I, I welcomed it. You know, I was only there for a year and I moved on uh, to Seattle after the 2000 season. But, you know, it, it, you mentioned some of my buddies were there. Phil Nevin, uh, who, who I played with in high school, Hoffy, who's who's been a kind of a lifelong friend. And I got to play for an unbelievable skipper in Bruce Bochy, you know, even though it was a short time. Um, tell me about your time in in, uh, in San Diego. And, and how you enjoyed it. You were there from, from 2000 to, to 2006. And I got a little story for you, but, but tell me how, how you took to it. You had some big years there. 2002, you hit 300 with 29. You hit 30 homers, 116 ribbies, and an all-star in 2001. You had a lot of success in San Diego. Uh, talk a little bit about Boach. Boats, man. Obviously, everybody. When you when you hear that name, everybody. Ninety ninety nine percent of people. Obviously, the people that probably don't talk about it, probably the guys that he ran in and ran out. But anybody's played for him for more than a year or two. I know you love him and didn't play for him long, but just a great manager. You know, I mean, just think. I probably got, I played for two managers my whole career, and they're both Hall of Fame guys. And Boach, you know, was a friend and a manager, and you got you know that we're we're good friends with Boach. I talked to him probably sometimes once a week, sometimes once every you know couple months, and you know, great success. Obviously, um, it was a, it was a it was a tough deal there because you know always dealing with a, a small salary. You know, you know he, he couldn't keep the players you wanted to do, but he he, he won. You know, we went. To, I think we went to the playoffs a couple times in San Diego. Uh, he, you know, uh, couldn't keep all the guys right. They they dumped after they got swept uh, in '98, I think it was or whatever it was. They got when they got uh, like you know they lost Caminetti, they lost Kevin Brown just because you know they, I guess you know the owners probably weren't willing to pay a small market club. Uh, but I tell you what, great. You know, he, 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 he worked with what he had and, um, you know, went to San Francisco, won a bunch of World Series, but uh, just a great manager, you know, call you in. He's your friend. He's going to make tough calls on, on people. But, you know, he's, he's a guy, and you could probably say you would you'd lay it all on the line to, 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 uh, to you know, he just you'd lay it on the line for a manager like that because, you, you know, he's so well-liked. Um, and, and did a lot for my career. You know, he never, he never was a guy that got too crazy. He didn't throw fits in the dugout. He didn't throw stuff very much. Maybe once in a while, he didn't, he get did overheated. He was, he was, a, he was a motivational guy. And I don't remember if, if, if you were there when did, but he would call, he would call some of these motivational people in to talk to us about work ethic and, and keeping your head up and games based on failure and, and keep pushing through and, you know, stuff like that. He just, he was a guy that got, uh, I guess if I had one say, thing to say about him, he was a guy that got the most out of his players to make them, you know, w- from what they had to make them the best athlete they could. And I think that's probably the best thing I can say about him. Yeah, Boach was awesome because he was that guy that you respected. At the same time, he was a big teddy bear. You know, he was a guy's guy. You'd go out and have a beer with him. Uh, and, he, and you also respected him and, and the position of manager and the authority. Uh, yeah, he's just one of my favorite, one of my all-time favorites. All right, give me the give me the story. We're in Houston. I think we're in. I think we're in Houston. I think you might be on the DL or you're not playing. You're dragging a pig through the clubhouse. <laughs> what? What am I doing? Dragging a what? A pig. A pig? Did, didn't you shoot something on the road during the season? You were out hunting. You killed something, and you brought it through the clubhouse. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, man. I used to, I used to bring, I used to bring de- I mean, I go during turkey season, obviously spring. Training. Maybe it was a turkey. I don't know what it was. Yeah, but I'm like, Rhino, what are you doing? Turkey. Yeah, I'm, I'm Cooking a turkey for the team. I bring me and Marquise Christmas used to bring crappie in. I remember when Fred McGriff's there, we I kill a turkey and I put it in his locker. 
and put his jersey over it, and it scared the crap out of him. And then, and then I'd, yeah, I'd uh, bring pigs in, you know, cook them whatever, you know, cook them up in the kitchen, get the guys ready, you know. I mean, it was it was it was funny. But we used to come and do that all the time, you know. Boach and I, I remember Boach and I hunting a couple times. Uh, uh, actually, I remember going elk hunting in Colorado right right after a day game. We had an elk tag. I took TV and, and uh, David Wells. Uh, after a day game, we shot up the mountain and, and, and uh, during uh, archery and muzzleloader season and went after elk and uh, after a day game. And, uh, yeah, so I was big, you know, I big, I, that my whole deal was, you know, these guys, how they have the, their golf calendars, you know, you guys were golfers. You know, I had all my little black book of all my little fishing holes and like my little hunting holes all through the, uh, all through the major leagues. And it's funny because to this day, I still get calls. Like I get calls, like when guys during hunting season or, or fishing, Hey, Ryan, oh, <laughs> I got so-and-so wants to, you know, go hunting or fishing when we're, when we're you know, in, in California or, or uh, you know, wherever it is, you know. And, and, and it's funny. I mean, even to this day, you know, because a lot of the country singers, we, me and Booney used to go to the, go to the con- you know, the concerts and stuff. And so those guys, you know, they'd call me and go, hey, I'm going to be in California next week. You know, a place for me to fish or Georgia. Or I remember setting, uh, setting, setting John Mabry up uh, when he would come through uh, Georgia or Cincinnati. Had it. We had a pond out there. We sent Mabry down to go fishing in one of the holes. And just... Well, those guys that give them gives themselves a, a break to take their mind off the game. We just go out there and, you know, some guys golf, some guys like to fish. So we, I had I had my little spots to just kind of get away, you know. After '06, you you follow Boach. You go to San Fran. Uh, you play your final season uh, in San Fran. You said a lot of big moments. You got to see Bonds record breaking homer. Was he not unbelievable? to watch him, especially that in that time, that time frame in the early two thousands, how much better was he than the rest of us? Oh my God. Yeah. There's no in comparison, dude. I mean, I mean, people say, Oh, you know, steroid era, he took steroids. There's nothing, there's still nothing out there saying that he, he, he did, but people just assume he did just because the writers say it, but whether he did or he didn't, whatever, he's still the best hitter of the game, skinny or big, you know, obviously watching him play with Pittsburgh and in San Francisco, it's night and day. There's no better better here in the game that I ever played or seen since I was a kid that can take it, take and do the things he could do. Uh, you know, his work ethic, uh, his knowledge of the game, his his eye at the plate, his balance at the plate. I learned a lot. You know, I studied tapes. You know, it's like if you look at my numbers in Atlanta, they were they were pretty decent. But when I went into San Diego, I got you know I I cut my strikeouts down almost in half. I shortened my stride. I, you know, my on-base percentage went up. Everything went up. And that's just watching, you know, watching Barry tapes, watching some of the best hitters in the game of their balance and their eye at the plate and, and, and not moving their head around too much. Early in my career, I had a, too much of a stride and I moved my head a little bit too much. Once I started really working that off in the offseason, my last year with Atlanta, I changed it around. I, you know, I was striking out 130 and, and 140 and walking 40. And then I, next thing you know, I think the rest of my career, I was pretty much close even with strikeouts to uh, to walks on base for some job, get, getting better pitches to hit. And that's from studying guys like that, you know, made an all-star game. That's just because I redeveloped my swing and made myself better. And just watching guys like Barry Bonds, just videotapes of, you know, what are they doing different than, than, than I am doing, you know, with, you know, why, why is he better than I am? And, and just watching watching that type of stuff back then it was those big you know vhs tapes you had to go in there and slow it down yourself and you know it's amazing you know i had a good time with them barry used to barry you know used to go skeet shooting with me and never he never shot skeet before um he went on his first hunt with me he killed his first mule deer with me um you know just amazing you know 
again, when he broke the, the home run record, he came in the dugout and picked me up, you know, and just, and, you know, and he just, I found a way to give him, you know, there was a lot of stress going on at that time. He wasn't talking to reporters, you know, he went through a little bit of a slump and I just, you know, we went to my farm in Georgia and I was, let's go, let's go shoot some skis at the house. Let's go relax today. Get your mind off all this crap, you know? And so to this day, you know, I, if I call him, he'll answer and, you know, he, he, he loves my family and he's, you know, he'll probably tell you when he was younger, you know, he probably pissed some people off, but you know what, Barry, Barry to me, he was a good teammate and, uh, you know, it was towards the end of his career. And, and, uh, you know, they picked on him a little bit. The media was pretty hard on him. Um, I seen some of the stuff, some of the reporters said to him and that, and that made him, that made him really a uh, sour to the media. I think if they would have treated him a little bit different, uh, you know, I'm sure there's some things that he'll probably tell you that he could have done different too. I think it was kind of fault from both ways. And that's, what's kind of keeping him out of the hall of fame because none of the writers really liked him, but, when you poke a bear all the time, it makes it tough. You know, they didn't really bother me, but you know, when they're, you know, stuff like that. But like I said, Barry, Barry to me, and, and no matter whether he did or not, which I'm saying, I don't know, you know, he was still the best player uh, that I ever played against. And, and you'll ask every, I bet you've asked every player we played with in our era, who's the best player. I promise you 99% of them are going to say Barry Bonds. Don't you agree? I don't even think it's close. And and we played with some great, great players. But the second best player w- was a distant second to him. I, I just remember watching him. You know, and I explain it all the time to, to on the show. I said, it was like Barry. It's like we were playing big league baseball and Barry was playing slow pitch softball. That's how much different it looked when he was in the box. Unbelievable, un, uncanny ability to slow the game down. And late in your career, and you, you talked about that and your approach, how it changed. I noticed, you know, as a teammate, as a as a just a peer, I noticed a big difference in you uh, from from your young days to to you got a more mature rhino, uh, a better feeling of of plate discipline. And you know, for me, it. it it was later in my career that I learned I got to Seattle and I, and I finally did what you were talking about studying. And, and I sat down with Edgar Martinez is because he was a right handed hitter. You lefties, I can't really relate to you guys, but but it, it changed my whole thinking, my whole philosophy, my way of approaching the game, especially on the offensive side. Uh, and you couldn't have had two greater left handed players to kind of learn from you play with Tony Gwynn probably the best pure hitter I've ever played with and then playing with probably the best player I've ever seen offensive player and that is Barry Bonds you had two of the best right there your last seven years in the big leagues exactly you know and I love Edgar was my favorite right-hand hitter you know and, and you had the monster years in Seattle and I'm like damn Booney's found it I mean he's mad I mean he's I mean night and day like the, you know someone turns a switch on and and I think we both made the change mid-career. And it's like people nowadays, you don't see a lot of that, right? We're both, we've both got, you know, we've had both a decent careers. We've done, had good success, but we're not the guy. We're not the marquee top guys in the lineup. And that, that pissed me off. You know, I was, I had some good years. And, and then again, you know, I wasn't getting my at-bats I wanted to do. So I mean, I had to change some people's opinion, right? I got San Diego, they played me every day, but short my stride and hit off lefties, uh, get more work against lefties, you know, forget, get rid of the platoon label, you know, and when you're young, you can't do anything about your playing time and shorten your swing up and, and, uh, and do it. And so that's what we did is I, I literally changed my swing, uh, and studied Jimmy Lefebvre, um, was my guy. I went to, I trained it on the off season in Arizona with Jimmy Lefebvre. He trained, uh, you know, he helped Sosa, um, you know, make it to the big leagues. He helped, uh, you know, uh, tons of guys just change their career at their path of their career. I remember Charles Johnson and Rick Wilkins were, you know, career two thirty two forty guys. We trained hard in the offseason. Richie Sexton, 
we, we trained, there was a group of us that trained with this guy, this, this, this unbelievable talent. And, and Jim LeFever was the best. He, he and, and, and ever since I trained with him, he taught me so much about the game. I just, I had, when I was healthy, I had really good, really good monster years. And I owe a lot of that by studying tape and training with Jimmy in the off season, shortness swing, get the balance, stuff like Barry's doing stuff with all the best hitters in the game are all the same similarities, similarities, Edgar, Tony, all these guys. The only guy that I seen was really different that could flat out rake. It didn't matter where he threw it was Vlad Guerrero. And he had a lot of head movement, but 90, 95% of all your hall of famers, their, their head wasn't moving around. Their stride was balanced. They had a short stride. They, they were balanced. They see the ball better. Um, and, and that's what, that was what my approach was is to go there and then train. And so I revamped my swing like you did. And it felt like you could hit was what we did is we, we took pitches that we normally weren't hitting as hard. We had, we took our weaknesses and made them more of our strengths. And I think that's, that's a big thing that me and you did. We were staying on the ball longer. We, you know, we weren't swinging. We weren't, we still swing hard, but it was more balanced, right? It was more, okay, we're going to wait for a pitch to hit hard. And, and we were recognizing pitches hard. We were drawing a lot of walks. So, you know, I was impressed. I seen that I could tell that it clicked for you in Seattle. Cause you were just, I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, I think we played in the, I think it was the same all-star. I think weren't you on that? Yeah. I mean, you were, I mean, you were consistently hitting 30, 40 home runs a year. And it was like, you know, you could tell that like Booney's transformed his swing, you know, he's, he's, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing what you can do. It's just, you know, changing it. You know, I wish I had someone early on in my career or, or, you know, it wasn't somebody else's fault. It was my fault. If I would have listened more and maybe found somebody that really, that I really worked with good or listened to them. But I was trying to, trying to hit balls out of stadiums and, and that, and I had too big of a stride. So that kind of just transformed me. Just kind of like what you did, just a little more balance. Last year, Braves, they surprised you. I, I know you've worked with the Braves, uh, in recent years. Um, they won the World Series again. And by the way, you started in, in old, old Atlanta Stadium. You played in the, in the one that just they just moved out of. This is their third stadium since Rhino came into the league. But did they surprise you last year? I remember doing a show right before the postseason, and and they, you know, the brackets were up, and all the the teams were out who who was going to make it. And they asked me. They said, "Who's the?" least likely team on this sheet to make it to the world series that I had the Braves. They ended up winning the whole thing. Right. Did you see something I didn't see? Well, yeah, I did just because, just because, you know, I seen them play a lot more. I seen person that they, the first half you'd say, absolutely not. But the way they've played as a team together, the second half and the way the, 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 the bullpen came around and filling the bullpen in, they had some injuries. Yeah. There's no way that you would have thought they could go through and do that. But, you know, I mean, who would have thought they can win the World Series with without Acuna, Ronald Acuna, and then and then and then and then was it Soroka got hurt, right? He's been gone for a year, but they picked up some marquee guys. Well, they picked up some guys that really no one even knew about, and the general manager picked them up, and they just caught fire, right? They caught these guys were unstoppable. The guys coming off the bench, the bullpen shut them down. I mean, was I surprised a little bit? Yeah, but could I think they do it the way that I saw them play that last couple months? No, I thought that if they could play, just like when the Marlins did it, and just like when the Giants did it, when Bochy's team, when that team went into the playoffs, they were hot, and that's what you're looking for. How are they playing when they go in, and, and, and all it takes is one one or two guys to catch fire, and that's what happened. And then, of course, the bullpen did a good job, and it was a battle, right? I mean, all these – I mean, everything has to work out perfectly in one's World Series. I mean – Unless they're, you know, coming in sweep like some of these other teams, you know, sweep. They're just, they're just, they're, the whole team was on fire, right? And um, they, they did. I mean, would I have picked them to win? No, but I think they have a chance. Every time they matched up, I was like, yeah, look good. You know, they, 
some guys in there that had some big hits, and, and their bullpen was, was really strong. And, you know, um, no one going in, I thought that they were the under, under, underdog just about every time, but uh, I, I knew that they matched up good. They played the Dodgers really good recently. And if you would have watched that team play the last month or the last six weeks of the season, you thought they would have a chance just the way they were playing together. Three toughest pitchers, Rhino, your entire career. You had to pick three you don't want to face. Who are they? Oh, you know, you know, one of them's Randy. You know that I didn't face him. Of course, much. that was scary because he was wild and he threw, you know, lefty, lefty, friggin' your his slider step started behind your helmet for a strike. Um, you know, I did not like facing Nomo when he was on because his split finger was ridiculous. It looked like a fastball. He started tipping his pitches a little bit, and I started hitting him hard. Um, and then, God, that what was that last one? God, I mean, that that shoot. I didn't hit good against Vasquez because he had a, such a, a nasty changeup. But, uh, you know, I didn't hit Schilling good at all early on because of the mound. I'd never hit really good. Any tall pictures in Philly because that mound was so big, it threw me off. But I hit Schilling pretty hard again, uh, at, later on in my career. But early on, it was definitely Nomo, uh, Schilling, and uh, Randy Johnson for sure. Ryan Klesko, thanks for coming on the show, man. That was a lot of fun. It was good to catch up. Uh, don't be a stranger. And as we do each and every Boone podcast at the end, we bring back in the voice of the podcast, Dan Levy. Dan. That's going to do it for the Brett Boone Podcast. My name is Dan Levy, the technical director, producer, voice of the Boone Podcast. EP, executive producer, Rich Herrera, digital. All gets uploaded by Liz Landry. Do us a favor, share the Boone Podcast. Neighbors and friends and all those that love sports, make sure you subscribe. Never miss an episode. And while you're at it, give us a five-star rating and share your feelings about the podcast by leaving a review on whatever platform you listen to the show. For all of us here on the Boom Podcast, he is Brett Boone. You can find him on social media at the Boone29. I'm Dan Levy, B-A-S-S on air. That is base on air, all of my social medias. Thanks for listening. We'll do it again soon. Have a great one.